Hackett has the ball. Trojans in transition. Penrose is alone. They get it to Penrose for the three. Welcome to Believe in USC Basketball, everybody. My name is Aiden Berg, and today I am joined by my co-host, Christopher Penrose. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I think a lot of uh, Trojan Nation is doing pretty well. The Trojan family is doing is doing well this week after USC got that big home win over UCLA. We're going to talk about that on this show. We're going to be talking about the upcoming Washington road trip. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Chris, are you ready to get going? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start with UCLA. Obviously, uh, anyone who has been following this team knows that USC beat the Bruins 66-48 to at home on Saturday. Uh, and I think the big story, the, the first thing that I think we should talk about here, Chris, is Ethan Anderson, obviously. It was you know, certainly one of the best games of his career. 19 points, 7 of 12 field goals, 5 of 7 from 3. He really caught fire uh, in that in the middle of the second half, I think, over, over a two-minute span, he scored he made three threes and then over uh, about five minutes he scored 13 points and that was kind of when USC uh, really separated itself in the game so uh, Chris you know we I feel like we've been seeing Ethan's praises on this show a lot and and talking about how key he is but what did you see from him in in that game and and what kind of allowed him to get going like that yeah by far easily his best offensive performance uh, of his career I would say and if you look at the threes that he hit um, and some of those big time layups, they were very timely. They were in you know certain points of the game where UCLA was starting to make a little bit of a push, and SC was able to continue to separate themselves. Uh, there were a couple of times where three, you know, made it a uh, 13 point game from a 10 point game after UCLA went on a five nothing run, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were very timely baskets. Um, and if you look at the rest of the scoring, um, you know. Evan Mobley, kind of the the golden boy for SC this year, he only went four of six with, for nine points. Right. Um, you know, his brother didn't do too too much at all either. He went two of four and had five points. Um, and so the the usual suspects were not producing as they usually do for the Trojans. Tajidi kind of caught fire a little bit there. Um, you know, he hit some big threes, uh, especially in the first half to kind of create a little separation. Uh, he ended with 16 points. Um but if you look at this game, SC didn't play very well offensively. They missed a lot of open shots. Um, you know, I, we we knew that UCLA was going to come in and try to try to muscle uh, the Trojans around. And you know, you know, Mick Cronin is a fantastic defensive coach, and he was going to really uh, drill down on that, especially without you know two of their better bigs in Cody Riley and Jalen Hill. And the fact that UCLA was able to hold Evan Mobley to those stats makes me a little nervous for when those guys come back. Um, but on the flip side, USC's defense was fantastic. Uh, Coach Enfield has to be thrilled with their performance in that game. I mean, you just look at these UCLA stats and they're horrid. I mean, three of 19 from the three-point line for 15.8%. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Trojans defended without fouling, which is always one of my big things. Uh, UCLA did not go to the free throw line very much. And when they did, they didn't perform well. They they looked like the Trojans of this year, a three of eight free throw shooting for 37.5%. That's and, in my notes too, that they were like, that they were like, like USC <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean just their overall field 
gold percentage. I mean, they shot 31% in the first half and 36% in the second half. I mean, SC's defense was fantastic. Um, and, and they didn't give up many easy shots. And, you know, when Johnny Juzang is putting up 21 shots, going six for 21, 05 from the three point line, and he's their leading scorer with 13 points, you know, you're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, UCLA, 34% overall, 16% from three. You're just not going to win a whole lot of games, and you're not and you're not going to avoid getting blown out in a lot of those games, right? Exactly. Um, so, so certainly I, I felt like USC, I, I think I tweeted about this during the game, but it's just like every single time that you at UCLA shot at the basket, basically, you know, USC was affecting it, uh, redirecting it, getting in the way, making it more difficult. And then I think... It ended up kind of having a an effect on how UCLA was was viewing those shots at the basket as it as it often does. You know, you, when you when you have guys who are blocking a few shots and changing a lot of shots at the rim, even when you have open looks, then it becomes more difficult when you just you you know you have the specter of those guys in the background. And I think even though it wasn't you know a great offensive game for for any of the big men, uh, and you know maybe below. Evan Mobley's kind of like standard for this season. That was still really uh, affecting on how on how this game kind of played out. And then you know forcing a decent amount of turnovers. I I, I think USC did that. Um, and, and just the the approach of funneling all of the attackers to the big men at the rim so that they could just do what they do, which is affect shots. There, I thought that USC had a really good game plan for uh, yeah. for how to, to for how to play UCLA. Exactly, and and it was one and done for UCLA most of the time. Um, Although they they did get you know thirteen offensive rebounds, a lot of those were kind of towards the end. Yeah, um, and you know Evan Mobley sat out a decent amount of that second half, and I think that's when they capitalized on that a little bit. I, I really think defensively it started with uh, the job that uh, Taj Edie and uh, uh, and Ethan Anderson did on Tiger Campbell. Uh, I mean Tiger Campbell has you know he he's really the heart and soul of that UCLA offense. Um, and when he's penetrating and kicking, guys are getting open shots. That's when that UCLA team really can put up points. Um, and I thought the, the the guards for SC did a fantastic job on him. He went three of ten, one of five from the three point line, um, only four assists, uh, you know, a couple turnovers. And I just I, I thought their game plan for taking him out of the game, um, especially early on really helped them kind of solidify their defensive presence and not let those guys get any easy wide open shots. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it was, I think it was a team effort, you know, obviously the guards did, did the job on him and they were going to be the, my, the primary defenders, but uh, there were a few times when he would get down to the basket. I think he missed, you know, like a pretty easy bunny at one point. Cause he just knew that, you know, the Mobleys or uh, Chavez Dodwin was, was waiting down there for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a bit smaller than, than do- those guys out there. Yeah. So it uh, can be difficult to get a shot off. I also agree with you about, uh, about Taj Edie, even though he wasn't, he wasn't super efficient, you know, 16 shots for 16 points. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, you just need someone to score at, at, at some point, right? It, it could be difficult yeah. for uh, USC when they, when they have fewer kind of like playmakers, I guess. Um, so I'll I'll take the trade off of if you're being aggressive and you're trying to make plays, uh, maybe you're you're a little bit inefficient, but uh, he he still put up 16 points. It was the second highest leading scorer on the team for them. So um, yeah, just just getting back to Ethan also really quickly. I felt like I mean there were there were a few. I, I think that last three that he made 
uh, was really was really a heat check. It was like a pull up. He kind of like splayed his legs out like he was Steph Curry or something. Uh, kind of like held the follow through, which is when you know that someone is kind of feeling himself. And mm. then he had the uh, that sweet up and under layup to uh, the reverse to I think put him put them up seventeen. And that was kind of just the point when you knew okay, this game is pretty much cooked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he just he did so many things offensively and defensively and. You know, it was funny to see his progression from when he came back from that back injury where teams were literally leaving him wide open mm-hmm. because they and then he'd like airball his first three point shot to fast forward to that UCLA game where he goes five to seven, hitting some pretty tough ones. Um, it's great to see. And hopefully he will continue to get more comfortable in this offense um, and, and especially, you know, moving forward to the to the final few games of the season. SC is really going to need him, especially if. You know, they have an offensive performance like they did against UCLA. I mean, just look at these numbers. I mean, Evan Mobley with nine points, Isaiah with five points, Drew Peterson, one of four for two points, Isaiah White, one of five for two points. Um, I mean, Chavez Goodwin was one of the, he was like the fourth leading scorer with six points. Um, You know, it's not like they weren't getting uh, uh, good shots. Uh, UCLA's defense is, is strong, but I mean, they were, they were missing a lot of chip shots. Uh, you know, Noah Bowman going one of four from the three, all those were wide open. Um, you know, it's, it, it's everyone's going to have an off night. And I would say the good takeaway from this is even when your offense isn't scoring, if you can continue to play good defense, create turnovers, lead to wide open baskets, you'll be just fine. And to beat, although a shorthanded UCLA team by almost 20 points, when you only put up 66 is positive in my view. Yeah, yeah, definitely agreed. I, I I would say that there were a few things that I would want to see USC clean up uh, just from from looking at this game. Number one is uh, I think you kind of mentioned, but the uh, the defensive rebounds. It, it was kind of more in garbage time that this happened. But mm-hmm. uh, when Cody Riley and Jalen Hill are back, then and, and you know hopefully we get to see UCLA at full strength in, in the season finale against USC because we all want to see you know the these two teams match up at their full strength, right? Um, exactly. But giving up 13 offensive rebounds when those guys are out uh, is not is not ideal, right? And and yeah. you know Mac Etienne I I thought did a pretty a pretty good job for basically it being his uh, introduction to, to to college basketball almost at least on on the level that uh, that he was playing at and the minutes that he played and uh, he was you know physical you know pushed Evan Mobley around a, a little bit he's he's a big guy so. Um, but, you know, Cody Riley and Jalen Hill are only going to be better on, on that front. So I think that's one thing to clean up. And then the assist to turnover ratio for USC was 15 to 12, which isn't, you know, horrid. Like you always you just you, you certainly want to be in, in the positive for that. But I think it can get a lot better. Right. So there's just an indication that they can move the ball better and they can take care of it better, too. Exactly. So uh, but overall, uh, certainly, I think a, a positive positive result to to beat the best team in the Pac-12. USC is now ranked uh for for the first time all season which uh, I saw was uh w- was good news for not only the fans but for the team itself. I, I think that they tweeted out like uh something like finally uh finally ranked or something <laughs> like that. So uh, I think that they kind of had similar <laughs> similar questions about why they weren't ranked as uh, as a lot of the fans did, but you know, that's that's a good win for USC obviously. Always good to take down your rival, but uh, something tells me that it's going to be a little bit more difficult the second time around, especially at being on the road. Yeah, exactly. And you know the rankings fantastic, and you know it's it's a little it's a little you know 
savory taste when you get into the top 25 and you're not like number 25 or number 24, right. you actually jump up to number 20. It is a little bit of vindication of, you know, we probably should have been here a little sooner than we were placed in the mm-hmm. top 25, but you know, it, it's better to be in than not be in. Um, and then, you know, just moving forward, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. And we always ran into issues when we got ranked when I played, uh, it wasn't often, it was only in my senior year, but whenever we got a taste of the top 25, we do something stupid and lose a game we should win. Um, <laughs> and that's been like the kiss of death, uh, kiss, of, kiss of death for USC basketball for, for as long as I can remember. But, you know, they have a great opportunity here where they're ranked, they're going on the road, playing against two teams that they should smack um, and, and really kind of propel themselves to, to, you know, be in a position to come back, you know, you have a couple home games against two good Arizona schools, uh, and then you go finish with three tough ones on the road. So at this point, you need to win all the gimmies. And these two for Washington and Washington State are gimmies. Um, and, and they cannot fumble this. They need to go in, and they need to win. Uh, and in my opinion, they need to win somewhat handily, especially at Washington. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you did my job for me. That's the transition into our preview of the Washington road trip. Uh, and let's start with that Washington game. They play at the Husties, 7 p.m. on Thursday. The previous game was a 95-68 to 68 home win for USC on January 14th. So we kind of know what this matchup has looked like and hasn't looked good for Washington and in, in, in the previous iteration anyway. Um, yeah, I agree. There's no reason for them to lose this game or even come close. Washington has lost three in a row and, and when they win, it's close. And when they lose, it's by double digits. I'm a big uh, point differential as, as an indicator of how good a team is rather necessarily than, than one loss. And uh, neither of those indications look very good for, for Washington right now. Um, yeah. Just to, to take people through, Washington does store decently well, I would say, 67 points per game, but they just can't really get stops. Giving up 78.6 per game is, 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 pretty, is pretty bad for the NCAA level, especially for a team that at times has won with like its somewhat gimmicky zone defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see this as a, as a chance for guys who have been struggling a bit like Drew Peterson, Isaiah White, Isaiah Mobley to, to get going in this game. Do you kind of see the same opportunity for USC? I do. Um, I mean, this is this is a get right game, right? And this is what you always want after you know one of five or one of four shooting performance, which most of these guys had against UCLA. Um, it always makes me a little nervous. I mean, you know, Washington, like you said, has not had the best year. They're three and fourteen overall. They're two of ten in conference, um, but you know, they did beat Colorado at home. You know, eighty-four to eighty, they did beat Utah at home, eighty-three to seventy-nine, and then you know they 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 get smacked by Washington State, they lose to Oregon State by twenty, and then they lose somewhat handily to Oregon. Um, so it's just one of those things where I feel like if this team gets confidence at home, they start hitting some threes, and teams get impatient with their zone, that could cause a problem. Um, and I said this before they played Washington at home. Patience is the key against that that gimmicky zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a lot of height, you have a lot of size. You know, Mobley to Mobley in the high low. I'd love to see Drew Peterson get in the middle of the zone and get the ball and be able to create. Um, you know, I think he could be really good. I think that could really help him mentally catch the ball at the free throw line, either take a shot, do a high low, uh, take it in and get a layup. 
um, you need to get height in the middle of that zone to be able to see over the defense and make the correct pass. Uh, if USC starts to get impatient, starts jacking up threes, uh, thinks they're the, they're the Golden State Warriors, that's what they're going to get in trouble. Right. Uh, so you just need to stay patient in that Washington zone because they want you to take those three-point shots. They want you to scramble, uh, and then they want to rebound and get out and run. So as much as you can limit that, uh, this is kind of a tricky game where, you know, slow, patient offense can be some of the best defense that you can play. Yeah, agreed. Uh, UCLA did come out and play a lot of zone against USC, and there were times when I was encouraged about how they moved the ball, but it wasn't it wasn't consistent enough. But I do I do look back on there was this one play where they threw it into Evan Mobley at the high post, I think like right below the free throw line. And he's Evan Mobley. He's going to be like the second or third pick in the draft. So the entire defense collapses down onto him. And he's such a good and skilled player and a good passer that he just drops it off to his brother for an easy layup. And I feel like I we could see a lot more of that happening because that's you know that that's what every like you know middle school kid basically learns when you're growing up against the two three zone right is you need to get it into the middle there and then from there you know you're either dropping it off to the the other big man who's down low and and running that high low action or you're kicking it out to the to the wings and the corners which is how ethan uh ethan anderson actually got going against ucla he made a couple uh catch and shoot ones off of uh off of those those high post looks and you know, I I feel like I see a, that same possibility, especially for a guy like Drew Peterson. You know, maybe just getting him a few easier looks could uh, could really help him. And I, I picked out Drew Peterson, Isaiah White, and Isaiah Mobley because those three combined for forty one in the first matchup, forty one mm-hmm. of USC's ninety five, which I think is not the level that they have been at pretty much since that game. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I'm expecting to see those three guys. You know, maybe made like a, a more more focal points of the offense, I guess, and and maybe USC will try to to try to get them going a little bit. And then on the other side of the ball, I guess I would say uh, Quad A Green is still the biggest offensive threat to worry about, don't you think? Absolutely, and SC did a great job on him in the first game. I mean, he went two of eleven from the field, one of five from the three, only had five points, uh, had six turnovers. Uh, Tajidi just really deed him up. Um, and that that's going to need to happen again. Um, you know, what, what coach Floyd, uh, always used to say to our team when we would play, uh, at, you know, a team that's had a rough season is, is, you know, these guys will wilt pretty early if you jump out on them right away. I mean, if SC can get out to 14 to two or an 18 to six lead or something like that, um, I, I think this Washington team will wilt, especially, you know, with everything going on in this season and the COVID protocols and, you know, people saying it's not a real season, it's easy for teams that aren't playing well to kind of give up. Uh, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. If SD can come out and stomp on their throat right away, I think it's going to be a long game for the Huskies and SC should really, uh, you know, win this by, by 20 plus points. Yeah, and it's kind of rare to say that about a road game, but that kind of just shows that Washington isn't certainly at the level that it wants to be, isn't at the level that it was at some points previously. I know that they were uh, not particularly good last season either, but uh, I I think, you know, it just kind of shows that the overall level of the team is is not quite at the same level. And 
just one other player to look out for. It was kind of hard for me to come find anyone for USC to look out for offensively other than Quade Green. But uh, Eric Stevenson did make four of eight threes for uh, and and went uh, scored sixteen points in the last game. So I guess if you're looking out for another guy, he's an, an, another person to look out for just because of what he did in the previous game, mm-hmm. uh, and also because USC can be kind of lax on on shooters at times. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the only way that Washington stays in this game is if they can get out and hit open threes. Um, if SC can clamp down on the perimeter uh, and be patient on offense, th- this should be this should be a clean win for them. Yeah, I think we're both expecting that kind of result. So let's jump over to Washington State, who USC plays uh, on the road at 5 p.m. on Saturday. The previous game was a lot closer than the the previous Washington game. It was 85 to 77 home win for USC on January 16th. And I think that we we both kind of have the same key here, which is probably stopping Isaac Bonton, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he's really their main guy, and he creates offense for everyone else. He's great in transition. He sees the floor very well. Um, and he was the real reason, or basically the, one of the only reasons why, you know, Washington State was able to hang around with USC. I mean, he finished with 27 points, um, you know, 10 to 21 from the field, had four assists, a couple steals, and he's really their guy. Um, and he was creating for everyone else. Um, and I felt like that was a game where, you know, SC was up by double digits the majority of the game. And within the last, you know, five minutes, they cut it to single digits, got on a bit of a run. Uh, SC got a little nervous, but was able to pull away um, and, and, you know, and, and win it at the end. Uh, Pullman's a very tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, in my four years, I never won in Pullman. Uh, it's one of those places where, you know, you, you usually don't stay in Pullman. You fly out there, you stay in Spokane, or you can stay in Moscow, Idaho. Uh, it's not an easy place to get to. Um, it's just, it, it's difficult. You, you basically show up to the arena the day before to kind of get a sense of, of the baskets and, and the negative space around the hoops. Um, and then you, you practice at high school. Uh, or walk through in your in your hotel, and then and then you drive an hour and a half or two hours out there and play a game. It's just it's one of those goofy schools where it's in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get to, right. um, and it's not your typical. You know, you jump on a bus from the hotel and you're you're at the arena in ten fifteen minutes, like every other place in the Pac twelve. Um, so it's 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 a little different, um, and it can throw teams off, um, but. You know, Washington State, it's like a, a season of two different teams. You have a team that, you know, can can beat Oregon on the road, which is a great win. Um, and then they, you know, they, they almost lose a game to Cal that they, you know, were down most of the game, ended up winning it by 11 points. But, you know, it's just it's a, it's a team that's kind of all over the place. You don't really know which Washington State team you're going to get. But as we kind of talked about in the beginning, you control Isaac Bonton and you control that team. That's all you got to do. Um, he's the engine that makes that offense run. And if you can put the clamps on him, then you're going to be in control of the game. Yeah, and I, I I very much agree with that. And I think that he reflects what you said about them as an overall team, which is they and he can be kind of all or nothing, right? So he'll have the games where he stories in the mid-20s. He's done that a few times this season. Uh, you know, 27 against the USC was his high, but, you know, he's, he's had like 25, 23 before. But then he's also had games where he scored like four, six, seven points. So 
I, I think that, you know, the, the, the adage of like how this guy goes is how the whole team goes very much applies uh, with Washington state and Isaac Bonton. So um, we'll see if, you know, they can do a, a better job on him. Maybe, Try to try to do something like they did to to Quade Green in, in in the first matchup, but I do want to ask uh, uh, you know a question that you know uses your your experience that you were talking about. Do you think that it's beneficial to have this weird Washington State game at the end, like you know as the second game of the of the road trip, or is it better to kind of like start off with that and get it out of the way, and then you play the the more normal road game against Washington? You know, it's kind of funny you asked me that because. In, in my four years, we always played Washington first and Washington State second. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, to be honest, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what it's like the other way around. Got it. Um, I mean, you know, when you start a road trip, I'd say you probably have a little bit more energy. So I mean, to to you know, have to go back and forth to a place, maybe you know, flying into to you know Seattle and driving to Pullman, you know, maybe you have a little bit more juice for that. And then when you fly into Seattle, things are a little bit easier when you're a little bit more tired, maybe, maybe playing at Washington state first and going to Washington second might help you energy wise a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I say that and I feel really soft because these kids are like 18, 19, 20 years old. They should always have energy. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 35. I'm not supposed to have energy all the time. These kids should. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, it's just so much different than all the other schools. I mean, you know, when you, when you, even if, in Corvallis, Corvallis is like 45 minutes to an hour from Eugene. I mean, it's a pretty easy trip. Um, and then you fly out of Portland, like all that's pretty seamless and simple. Um, obviously Arizona's in Tucson and Arizona States in Tempe, basically Phoenix. I mean, that, those are really easy places to get in and out of. Um, you know, it's, it's it just Pullman, Washington is just, it's a bit of a trap place. Um, you can get if you're if you're not mentally prepared, uh, you can get caught off guard and, and you could drop one there, especially to teams that you should win. Yeah, uh, because Washington State again, we, we've talked about you know they're they're better than Washington certainly, but not a team. Yeah, also that I think that that USC should be losing to right. And and one of the things that I key in on is the negative assist to turnover ratio, which you just never, you never want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't a, a team that moves the ball particularly well. And I think I, what I really want to see is USC get up into the shooters, get in their, get in their shirts and funnel everyone to, to the rim and Evan Mobley, which worked so, so well against UCLA. Uh, and the fact that Washington State can't really move the ball well, probably can't get a ton of, you know, open looks just like off their ball movement, I think really plays well into the Trojans' length defending at the rim. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the, the, kind of the last two stats I, I really want to focus on when you compare last game uh, to, to this upcoming battle. Three-point shooting, SC went 6-19 against Washington State for 31%. Free-throw shooting, SC went 15-29. for 29. I mean... <laughs> You lose, I mean, that's 14 points. This could have been a complete blowout. Yeah. Um, and to, and listen, if you're going to shoot like that on the road, you might as well just just not even show up because you'll yeah. probably win. So, I mean, and that that's how Washington State really was able to kind of make that comeback towards the end of the game is SC was just missing free throws left and right. And that's not even including front ends of one-on-ones, which, in my opinion, you miss a front end of a one-on-one, it's a turnover. 
So, yeah. I mean, on the road, you always have to make your free throws, but you know, especially against a team like this where they're not as big and strong inside. So the Mobleys will probably get to the free throw line a lot. Uh, you know, Drew Peterson, Isaiah White, as they drive, you know, they're probably going to get to the free throw line a lot. They got to capitalize and make their free throws. Yeah. And then the last thing that I would say on these games is that it is going to be a callback to what I said with Washington, but uh, Drew Peterson and Isaiah White in, in the last game, that was at the point, again, where they were contributing very consistently offensively. They had 15 and 13 respectively in this game. And so I think maybe just you know seeing the same opponent again, knowing, oh, I've had confidence against these guys, I've, I've put up points against these guys, could help them get, uh, get going a little bit. And I, I think that this is just an overall road trip where the Trojans should try to get those two going, especially because they're starters, they're, they're important players on this team. And they're going to really need them when the games get tougher. Yeah, exactly. Especially down, you know, these are the dog days of the season, right? Everyone's tired. Your legs aren't what they were at the beginning of the season. Practices are shorter. Uh, you're doing a lot of walkthroughs and shoot arounds, especially the second time around, because you know the teams. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's more mental than it is physical at this point. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's going to be easier for the other teams, too, because they've already seen you before. You know, Evan Mobley isn't some, uh, you know, God that they've been seeing highlight film of. They've already they've already banged with him in the post and they've already seen him. Um, so kind of that that aura around him is no longer there and they're ready to just play basketball. So stuff like that will make the games tougher the second time around. Um, but, you know, this is a business trip in which SC needs to get these two because you look at the last, you know, five, six games of the season. Uh, they're going to be a lot tougher than these. And if they drop one of these, it's not going to look good for the rest of the year. Yes, so every game at this at this point of the season is especially crucial. USC is going to be making its case not only as the best team in the Pac-12, but uh, for higher and higher seeds, hopefully, in the NCAA tournament. So certainly going to be you know, a crucial road stretch and uh, could be helpful for them to kind of propel them into the rest of the season. That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. Chris, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on social? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Twitter at C Penrose, number one, number zero. Yes, and you can find me on both of those at A-I-D-A-N-B-E-R-G underscore. Uh, thanks again to everyone for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere else that podcasts exist. Uh, and make sure that you you know, tune into the rest of the Believe Podcast Network, too, because there's a lot of great shows on here. Uh, and thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Fight on. Fight on.